if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will, the football podcast. Welcome back, I should say, because we've had uh, an incredible eight-week break for the World Cup and then Christmas and New Year. So I should start by wishing all our listeners Happy New Year. My name's Alex Gross, your host and the resident Spurs fan. And let me wish a great big Happy New Year also to Nick Gilmar of A Majesty United Persuasion. Hello and Happy New Year. And uh, happy and bouncing as ever, our Leeds United fan, George Harker. <laughs> happy New Year, hello. Bouncing about at the bottom of the league, right George? Yep, having a great time. <laughs> so I trust you all had uh, a great uh, Christmas and New Year break with a few games that we've got to catch up on in a unprecedentedly packed show. And obviously there's a World Cup as well, which we'll discuss uh, at the end of the show, I think. Um, I would say we could dedicate an entire podcast just to that amazing World Cup final, let alone anything else that happened. But uh, we'll do our best to squeeze it in. Uh, As usual, though, the three of us will uh, chew through the weekend's football, the weekend that's just gone, and then we'll work back in time. So that means we'll start with the FA Cup third round on 7th, 8th of uh, January and the 9th of January, Monday night, as we record, Oxford United are playing Arsenal and uh, George is doing a watch along for us. How's that game going, please? Uh, Nil-nil, half-time. Oxford have uh, rattled Arsenal, I think it's fair to say. Barely under strength Arsenal, they made six changes, but um, yeah, Oxford holding their own, let's hope for a miracle. How are we on Arteta watch? Is he rattled as well? Is he flapping on the (laughs) touchline? He always looks rattled. (laughs) He looks rattled even when things are going great, yeah. So we've had an interesting uh, third round weekend. Um, A lot of Premier League teams went out at this stage. Uh, George, you were saying it might be a record earlier today, have you found out? Yeah, well, it's currently eight, uh, which last happened in 2003, 2004. But obviously it's still to be confirmed because, well, it will at least be nine because one of Liverpool or Wolves will be going out. Um, obviously you'll be hoping there'll be one more tonight with Arsenal and uh, I inevitably think there'll be another when we lose our replay to Cardiff so uh, it could it could end up at 11 which will surely be a record of uh, giant killings yeah positive as ever so mm-hmm. um, let's uh, resurrect a feature from uh, last year as it were last calendar year earlier this season which we introduced which was called moment of the weekend a brainchild of uh, of George's, which is to pick uh, your favourite moment of the weekend that does not involve your team, and it can be anything to do with football anywhere on the planet. Uh, although I fancy it probably be from the FA Cup third round this weekend, since there wasn't much else on. So here we go with moment of the weekend. Okay, so I'll go first since I've sprung this on you without a warning. Uh, I'm just going to say, for me, it was Sheffield Wednesday beating Newcastle United because I think it's about time that Newcastle had a setback. Um, They've been almost unstoppable. A couple of draws, which I'm sure George will tell us about later, at least one of them, (laughs) and against Manchester United um, way back in October. But otherwise, they've been winning pretty much every game. And then they had a draw, a creditable draw at the Emirates, the league leaders. And a few days later, they went out of the FA Cup to Sheffield Wednesday. So if they lose against Leicester this midweek in the EFL Cup, suddenly their season looks somewhat different. And uh, there'll be all that talk about how they never win anything on Tyneside again as they go out of the Cups. But, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. They're they're most likely to beat uh, Brendan Rodgers. Leicester in the League Cup and uh, big favourites to win that competition as well as Man City, I would say. But um, yeah, it was just nice to see uh, Sheffield Wednesday hang on at the end. There's also uh, inexplicably for some reason a great big uh, Newcastle fan in my local pub um, 
who's uh, there watching every game. It doesn't have a Geordie accent or anything, so I don't really know what his story is, but um, quite enjoyed uh, seeing him beside himself in added time. Uh, what about you, Nick? Um, well, there's one obvious one. I don't know whether to take, to take the open goal. I might leave that for George, but I did really <laughs> enjoy the um, the self-proclaimed, or not self-proclaimed, but the, the fan-proclaimed best goalkeeper in the world. He's so good with his feet. He could play outfield, dropping another clanger um, yep. for Liverpool. Uh, Are you going to do the headline? Uh, Alison Blunderland. Thank you. Obligatory, yeah. And I, actually, I do really rate him as a keeper. I think, um, and he seems like a really excellent member of that dressing room. Um, and yet, we're not quite at the stage yet where I will fully pity Liverpool. Um, so <laughs> I um, I did enjoy that, obviously. What's not to love about a goalkeeping clanger? Um, I know this isn't about United, but my own team have specialised in that a little bit this weekend themselves. Right, and yourself, George? God, you took my first option and Nick, they took my second one. <laughs> I, with the Newcastle one, just to say, I'd love that despite all their millions, they lost to Cambridge United 12 months ago at home, if you remember. Yeah. It was at yeah. the first game since the takeover. So I like the fact that it doesn't matter. They can still be beaten by these minnows. Mine's actually from the same game uh, as Nick's. And it's not a, a positive moment of the weekend. It's the most bewildering moment of the weekend that Wolves disallowed. Oh, God, fuck. <laughs> Because Honestly. for some reason, no one can explain the uh, the VAR cameras weren't working to verify it as a goal at Anfield. It was just, I can't believe it's not been talked about more and being investigated because it's the dodgiest thing I've heard since, I don't know, sounds like a Sunday League story, doesn't it? But It's um, an embarrassment on the sport. Yeah. And I can't believe any of us have not chosen Stevenage, by the way. Honourable mention. Well, I think maybe it wasn't on TV, was it? Because... Um... Wasn't no. uh, Chelsea Manchester City on TV at the same time? So um, yeah, it's obviously result of the weekend. Yeah, it was interesting because they they were sort of streaming from I think it's Villa Park, wasn't it? And uh, by the end of the City Chelsea game, there was nothing interesting going on there, and they kept the feed running for the <laughs> the penalty and the, the the coverage from Villa Park. Full strength Villa, it has to be said, it wasn't they. Um, yeah, under strength. Did it? Anyone, either of you recognise the uh, Stevenage head coach by any chance? Oh. You've just taken that out of my mouth, George, because oh, I was sorry. just about to take you back to the 2015-2016 oh, season, God. which I'm sure you enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, is that was that the lowest ebb? Or... <laughs> when he wore a sombrero? Or... <laughs> yes, listener, we're talking about Steve Evans, the Stevenage manager. At least he's got a belt now that keeps his trousers up. I remember him sprinting down. I think it was the Wembley <laughs> touchline with his trousers halfway down his arse. It was playoff final. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> oh, so he was in a losing playoff final, was he? No, no he winning. won it. And oh, his really? trousers, and he was running off down the uh, the touchline celebrating, and his trousers were a bit baggy. Oh. Since down they came. It's for other of United, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Not, oh, so not, oh, not with not Leeds. With, oh, yeah. sorry, I got that wrong. We didn't win at Wembley. Yeah, exactly. That's that was that was a surprise to think that, and with him to boot. Yeah. So, um, the man who beat Cup specialist Unai Emery at Villa Park uh, was once manager of Leeds in League One. Uh, just to explain to the listener and uh, George, um, is there anything? remotely positive from that uh, period that you want to mention <laughs> or just his trousers falling down <laughs> i think he was one of three managers we had that season i'll tell you what if i if i didn't give up then then i'm not going to with our current state of affairs I'm like... <laughs> right that's the that's the attitude yeah. that's the perspective i need <laughs> okay so uh otherwise in the fa cup in terms of our teams, Manchester United beat uh, frank lampard's woeful everton 3-1 on friday night any comments on that nick they're not very good, Everton. And uh, <laughs> I think even when De Gea chucked one in himself and levelled it up, it never really felt like United needed to get out of third gear. I never felt for one minute that United weren't going to win that. I haven't felt that for a long time as a United fan and we're yep. beginning to find a bit of form. It was the perfect cup tie, to be honest. They, you know, didn't need to over overexert ourselves. be interesting to see what Everton do over the next couple of weeks because... You know, you know, even the players they're bringing in off the bench look badly out of shape. Decore yeah. was was moving like a fifty year old man. Um, 
So something's up. I think you know that's not new news, but um, well, it was very, it's, it's very famous, Frank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to get some of the blame. I think this time around, he's having avoided it so far. But you know, they have spent terribly, and they are still better than their league position suggests. But whether they'll get away with it a second year in a row, I don't know. Um, they should be moving heaven and earth to get Sean Dyche in because I think he's the sort of manager that could turn around that slightly flaming ship. Okay, so uh, in terms of my team, Spurs, we beat Portsmouth 1-0 with a goal from Harry Kane. Uh, 12.30 on a Saturday in the FA Cup third round against a smaller team. Uh, absolute nightmare in terms of watching uh, Conte's slow and heavy dross. Uh, and from what I heard, it was... I was travelling at the time, but uh, from what I heard, that's exactly what it was like. Um, just Thankfully, we were in the hat, and then we got uh, Preston away. United got one of their staple draws, Reading at home. <laughs> I'm sure it happens every three years, that one. Yeah. Uh, it's either that or Villa, isn't it? Yeah, or Wolves. Or Wolves is the only, the only other team we could have drawn. It's one of the three. Um, yeah, and Sheffield Wednesday beat Newcastle, as we've already mentioned. Uh, Liverpool um, 2-2 with Wolves. That's going to a replay. Another game going to a replay, uh, Cardiff 2, Leeds 2, where Leeds went 2-0 down and it looked like um, your cup adventure was over in the third round yet again, George. Mm -hmm. But there was quite a spirited response. I genuinely didn't see that coming (laughs) at all. Yeah, what was it going to be, the sixth third round exit um, in a row? And you can't even say any of those were um, honourable, you know, Newport County. Crawley Town. Anyway, um, I won't go on about that. Yeah, uh, very spirited. Uh, it was the three subs that seemed to make the difference. Um, I, I tell you what, I really didn't see coming was the ninety-fourth minute equaliser, only because it all gone to the FA Cup script before that. You know, we'd missed a penalty, we missed an open goal. Um, I've got to say, save of the weekend, by the way, for that Cardiff yeah. player. What a save that was. <laughs> Yeah, wow. Um, any keeper would have been proud of that. So, yeah, pleasantly surprised. And we actually get a, a chance to play the winner of Boreham Wood or Accrington Stanley. Boreham Wood or Accrington Stanley. So, uh, exactly. Yeah. God, give me strength. Yeah. If, um, if Lee's just got come to... uh, graveyard written all over it, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah another one. We need is a that, graveyard. Is that 94th minute equaliser your Mark, or Marsh's Mark Robbins moment? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, on a serious note <laughs> on a serious note obviously it's a cliche but it does suggest they're still pulling in the same direction as the manager with yeah. that sort of like late turnaround um yeah. which is obviously you know the vultures are beginning to circle a little bit at Leeds aren't they yeah patience is is running out it, it I think it's just a stay of execution for him but we'll, we'll see it, it's the league form's obviously absolutely woeful so it wasn't even to win it, there was it. It's just to get a replay against a championship side that's looking like they're going to go down themselves. I mean, it's if that's the positivity we've got at the moment, we're pretty, pretty low ebb. But like you said before, it's been much worse in recent history. Yeah, and then we have uh, elsewhere in the round, Stephen Edge's exploits at Aston Villa, two late goals at Villa Park, as we've mentioned, Steve Evans. Uh, Chelsea lost for the second time to Manchester City inside 72 hours, uh, an abject performance, losing 4-0, three in the first half. So talking about patience wearing thin, Graham Potter seems all at sea. Everything, everyone's backing him, especially the, uh, the old English media pundits um, and studio pundits, but Henry Winter... Uh, was fairly critical of that team this morning. Um, it's an interesting to... test of the new owner because everyone under Roman would know that Potter's done within yeah, 10 days, exactly, one, yeah. one more yeah. loss. But um, as you say, all the noises are he's safe and he's you know, he's a project manager, isn't he? He wants to build over a period of time and yeah. presumably Todd Bowley knew that when he appointed him. Bet there are some regrets of letting Tuchel go though now. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And then finally, um, I mean, there are, there are a couple of other... Upsets, uh, Blackpool beating Forest. I don't know if we class these as upsets. Let's say interesting results. Um, but that's that'll have to do for now. Oxford Arsenal. I guess the second half's about to kick off. George, is that right? Yes, he nods at me. Okay, so that'll uh, bring to a close our section on the FA Cup, and we'll be back after this with some Premier League talk. <laughs> Okay, welcome back to part two. And we've got uh, lots of Premier League football to get stuck into because a mere 
eight days was it eight days after Argentina lifted the World Cup over in Qatar Premier League was back on Boxing Day uh, Spurs were the first to play in the early kickoff at Brentford that was a 2-2 draw uh, exactly as one would have predicted it 2-0 down early fight back second half not quite enough to win I could have scripted that one uh, Everton lost at home to Wolves so we all had a giggle at Frank Lampard yet again Liverpool won at Villa perhaps false sense of security for Liverpool fans that win before before uh, some of the results that have succeeded that uh, Arsenal uh, steamrolled on with a 3-1 win against West Ham Chelsea and Man United with routine home wins on the Tuesday and George you were someone who really didn't want the Premier League to come back because you had uh, the champions Man City rolling into town. Very well-rested Erling Haaland. A very well-rested Erling Haaland who scored his obligatory brace. Do we want to say anything about that game or would you rather move on to your very creditable nil um, draw at St. James's Park a few days on, later? On Haaland, I thought it was nice that he didn't celebrate and he did get a very nice reception, which is quite yeah. rare for an opposing player at Ellen Road. Um, he got a better reception than Calvin Phillips did, who right. got a lot of, lot of chance about his um, being obese. Too <laughs> fat to play for Leeds, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I enjoyed that. I actually thought we didn't play too badly, to be fair. You know, 3-1 against Man City is not a... I mean, it's a really sorry state of affairs of the Premier League. I'm sure Nick will agree that that's not considered a bad result yeah. because they are so... They're in another yeah. echelon. But um, yeah, we moved on to better things. Yeah, now on New Year's Eve, I watched a lot of bad football um, and that involved your two teams. I watched Wolves mm. Man United, the early kickoff. That was an awful game um, that Man United just sort of pipped at the end with uh, the introduction of Rashford, who had mysteriously been rested for disciplinary reasons. And that was well, followed by watching Newcastle Leeds, uh, a sort of gritty, rainy, quite violent affair in the northeast. But uh, great point for Leeds, right, George? Yeah, I mean, that yeah. sounds amazing, by the way. Gritty, violent <laughs> affair. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Just um, uh, a lot of... In my mind's eye, there was a whole showreel of World Cup highlights and brilliant football, so it couldn't mm. have been more down-to-earth, as it were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... Especially uh, the sight of brain, yeah. Something for everyone. Yeah, I, I know she still won't even acknowledge that Melia had a very good game, because uh, they did absolutely pepper us. For that entire second half, he was I don't busy. Think I don't think we had a shot in the second yeah. half, on or off target. So very happy to escape there with a point. That's one of the hardest games in the league now, going to St James's Park. So yeah, very gritty and very welcomed point. Yeah. So because I was abroad, all those games were available to me, and at the same time, um, Man City were playing Everton, and <laughs> I, I really assumed that the goals would rain in there, four or five. Harland, Hattrick, all the rest. But uh, Everton and Lampard somehow found this fabulous performance and uh, an unlikely equaliser and got a point at City uh, where, where there was a lot of narrative about them having turned the corner. And then a few <laughs> days later, they lost 4-1 at home to Brighton. So that I was think also quite It's good. really interesting around City because we've talked on this pod before about how they're a momentum team. Yeah. And City are probably... Suffer, well, suffered the most from this World Cup break because they do have these early stumbles in August and September in previous series seasons. I remember them losing to Norwich out of nowhere mm. um, before getting on this this sort of momentum, like you know, sort of roll. The bandwagon keeps going and they rack up win after win. And, and actually them having a little break um, has probably counted against them. So it cost yeah. them two points against Everton. No sympathy though, right? None at all. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, your view on that uh, win at Wolves? Yeah, I mean, the Rashford disciplinary thing, it, it's just Ten Hag handles everything like a proper manager. And, you mm. can, the, you know, the difference is night and day. I still go back to that goal in the last minute that Ganache scored against Fulham yep. as being a potential season-defining moment. After our last United. pod, yeah. Yeah, going into the break with that, sort of optimism and then managing to rack up three wins, two big three nil wins and then sort of grinding out against Wolves. Um, yeah. I think, you know, you, everything's looking very rosy for United at the moment. I think the, the game against Wolves is exactly the sort of game which would have Isn't that what... splendid, George? <laughs> Give me a loaded gun, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the game against Wolves is exactly the sort of game that ends 1-1 last season. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, I like everything is smelling of roses at the moment for for United. 
Um, good to have Ronaldo off the books. We haven't talked about that. I but don't yeah. think we will. But uh, I did hear that PSG are going to play a friendly against a composite team of Al Nasser and Al Hilal. So there's your grubby bit of news for the week. Ugh, yuck. But I think what's really, we'll look forward to the weekend coming, but I don't really know where United are because we've just beaten two teams who aren't very good and scraped past Wolves who prior to the World Cup were not very good. So yeah. big, big week coming up. Obviously, with the derby, we'll be uh, hopefully a minute or two at the end to yeah. talk about that. The previous evening, just uh, to not overlook it, the previous evening, Liverpool played Leicester. I watched that with a couple of good friends um, who support Liverpool. And did you see those own goals by Senor Feiss? Yeah, that followed by the VAR scandal that George mentioned. I want to know yeah. uh, who's paying who. Fabulous own goals, though, weren't they? Yeah. And then I had very high hopes uh, to kick off party time on New Year's Eve. Uh, I was looking for a Brighton scarf to buy somewhere. Um, has Arsenal travelled to the south coast, but um, they scored within a minute and ended up winning 4-2. There were some nerves for Arsenal towards the end uh, when when it looked like Brighton had a third goal, but that was disallowed for VAR, but it wasn't to be. Arsenal rolled on. Um, and then New Year's Day, the year 2023, um, started in the worst possible way for Spurs. You just know when your team has the earlier kickoff on New Year's Day uh, and is a team liable to start slowly anyway. It's just going to stink the place out, as you would say, Nick. And uh, so it did. And uh, this time we didn't even have any response, unlike in many games recently. Um, it just petered out and we lost 2-0. It was just awful. But that was followed by a nice uh, midweek 4-0 win away at Palace to boost confidence and uh, give us some good vibes going into the FA Cup weekend. And of course, more importantly, the North London derby, because we've got a weekend of massive derbies coming up. Um Forest drew with Chelsea. That was also of note on New Year's Day. And then we got to uh, our last Premier League round uh, in midweek, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th of January. So much football. So hard to keep track of it. But uh, start with Leeds again. Leeds were at home to West Ham and a feisty 2-2 draw. George? Good game, this, actually. Yeah, if you, I don't know if either of you watched it as a neutral. But um, I think the context of is is important because I think a two two draw at home to West Ham isn't isn't a bad result. But I didn't know this going into the game. West Ham had lost five in a row going into this game. I had no idea they were in such woeful form. And when you see their starting eleven and even yeah. their bench, you just wonder how on earth that's that's happening where they are in the league. It's, it's passed me by. The, the, that that, that includes in. a uh, a defeat to Blackburn in the League Cup that was on mm. penalties, wasn't it? Um, yeah, just yeah, before it's... the World Cup. Just for listeners who may well have forgotten that. Um, Blackburn went to West Ham and won on penalties on a mm. dramatic night. And otherwise, West Ham have lost in the league to Palace and Leicester and Brentford all at home mm. and, more predictably, away at Arsenal. So, yes, um, terrible times for them at the moment. But the, the very definition of a hold-my-beer moment for Leeds fans, you just someone comes to Ellen Road with that kind of form, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but we'd actually took the lead. Um, deservedly took the lead. I thought we started the game brilliantly and... Willie Nonto got his first goal. It was a lovely finish. And the place was rocking and we were on top. And you think you're 1-0 up at home against a team in that form. <laughs> There's only one outcome. Surely he finished the game off, but obviously not. Gifted them. Well, it was the 45th and 46th minute they scored. Um, right on the stroke of half-time and 20 seconds into the second half. Gifted them uh, two goals. And then just, yeah, looking for anything to get, out, get something out of the game. And we did. Rodrigo scored a nice goal from outside the box. Um, and then we, we had loads more chances to win the game, but just couldn't get past Fabianski. He, he made two or three wide call world-class saves. Yeah. Um, he's got that in him, hasn't he, Fabianski, still. He's, he's a good yeah. goalkeeper. So a good point on paper, I guess. But we are now on um, two wins in our last 16 games, which is woeful woeful form yes and that was your last home game um what was the vibe like i mean nick's already mentioned that sort of it's not you, you both mentioned patience around jesse marsh what was the, what was the it's vibe not got like to, here yeah it's not got to booze just yet but i'm just saying that there were booze in that last game we won which was a long time ago now four three against bournemouth we're three one yes. down at half time there were booze then that patience is wearing thin just because there is no excuse here there's no list of injuries suspensions you know he's got almost a fully fit squad to choose from you know he's knocking the door of a year in charge he can't say it's not his team and like i said two in that 16 that's just that's 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 sackable form surely 
Um, I think mm. he, I think Phil Hay from the Athletic said today, he's sort of one, he's one car crash away from from getting the sack. You know, one embarrassing yeah. result, and then we're away at Villa on Friday. And away at Villa very... on Friday night football is not a not an easy. Assignment. No, Friday night football is like marmite, isn't it? it it can make your weekend it can be a brilliant start to your weekend. It can completely mm. ruin it. But um, it's a very winnable game on paper. Um, so we just have to hope, yeah, hope for the best. But yeah, I, I think Marsh is is on very very thin ice at the moment. Yeah, and uh, one of the four games either side with one before the World Cup, three after that uh, Manchester United have put together four wins against four games that anyone would call eminently winnable. Yeah. Um, was your first game of the year against Bournemouth? Uh, 3-0 at home we've already talked about um, you a little bit so just want to mention maybe George if there's one team that are tanking it harder than Leeds uh, or Everton <laughs> who we've mentioned it's Bournemouth isn't it because they beat mm. Bournemouth in the last game before the World Cup that was their first win in ages and now since the World Cup they've gone out of the League Cup to Newcastle the FA Cup to Burnley and they've lost to Chelsea Palace and Man United yeah, the worst decision they made was making O'Neill permanent manager. He was doing great before mm-hmm. they did that. <laughs> Them and Forrest and Southampton are my hope for finishing below us. I think Southampton. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what direction they're going. Southampton in. appearing there at the bottom of the table and suddenly appearing to be rooted there too was something that really passed me by. It was sort of. Mm. I mean, I know Hazenus will finally uh, uh, let go, and then they got the Luton man in. Um, yeah, I, you enlighten me as to his name. Uh, Jones, Nathan Jones. I, f- I feel like they've been flirting with this for about three years now. Hassan Hall laid the groundwork yes. for this. Exactly. Yeah. It, it is just... surprising to see them right at the bottom, though, isn't it? Mm, it is. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I had no idea Forrest had made it out of the bottom three. It's obviously it's so tight down there. That's what terrifies yeah. me. I think it's still any one of well, they played three, each other. Seven teams. They played oh, each course, other last yeah. week, and Forrest beat them. And then uh, Southampton went to Palace and won in the cup, which is the last thing they need. <laughs> Yeah, there's a few teams who can do without the distraction, aren't there? Yeah, but moment of, the, of that round, I would say, was the um, the game on Sky with a belting rendition of Hey Jude at uh, the, what's it called? The Community Stadium, the Lego Stadium, uh, Brentford anyway. Uh, just a bus stop in Hounslow as they uh, loudly sang <laughs> at the Liverpool away end. No problems Three... with VAR that night. Yeah, and what do I always say about uh, Brentford at night? Indeed. Yeah. Hard place yeah. to go. It's anyway, a completely to... different, different score, a different team. Yeah, glorious scenes. <laughs> uh, sorry to my Liverpool mates, but yeah, not sorry. And we have one spare game coming up uh, later this week, and that is the West London derby, Fulham-Chelsea. Fulham have been doing very well, haven't they? Uh, they've put three wins in a row together in the league. Then they've also just scraped past Hull City in the cup. So they've had a very good break, it seems, and they've come back strong and now play rivals Chelsea at home and Chelsea look a soft touch so we shall see right welcome back to part three and uh, in the eight week gap that we've just lived through with an unprecedented winter world cup as the um, introspective uh, Europeans insist on calling it which was a fabulous tournament although alienating and somewhat depressing off the pitch it was sensational on the pitch mm. we have in the in the intervening weeks lost a few greats uh, none greater than Pelé of course also Gianluca Vialli uh, last week former Chelsea manager and um, Juventus star etc uh, I loved the BBC montage to him that was played at half time of the Manchester City Chelsea FA Cup tie those were some really good memories and they got some rights to some uh, Serie A highlights which was unusual and it was nice to see him banging in all those goals and playing alongside Mancini in the early 90s for Sampdoria in uh, some of the best football shirts that have ever been made. He was a great player and I met him a few times at the driving range in Chiswick when he played for Chelsea and he was always really really kind. He was often there with uh, Rob- Roberto Di Matteo alongside him they were both really nice. We were just kids at the time, and um, he was always really chilled and uh, welcoming. Yeah, and then there's uh, George Cohen of the England 1966 team, um, important uh, member of the team, obviously, uh, left back, uh, sorry, right back. But yeah, um, Fulham player and uh, 66 hero, and uh, 
apologies if I've uh, left out some other people that have also passed on. But my point was just uh, to mention that um, we lost Pelé, perhaps the greatest of all. And when something like that happens, I always like to buy the newspaper uh, to keep for my archives. And I like to read some of the uh, impressive articles and obituaries that are written about these great figures. And um, obviously that was very much the case when when the Queen died earlier this season and uh, a Brazilian equivalent of that would be the death of Pelé. There was a really nice article in The Guardian by Richard Williams about him and I just want to read one uh, paragraph from that article that really is worth noting when marking the passing of Pelé because a lot of people know about the World Cups that he won and they've um, seen the famous clips of him but uh, many people don't understand what a great man he was uh, and especially a sportsman. So um, this paragraph I enjoyed. No serious scandal stained his image during the 20 years of his playing career. He was not, of course, a perfect human being, and he was certainly no softy on the pitch, but he did nothing mean or petty. His tricks with the ball bamboozled opponents, but were never designed to diminish or humiliate them. He sought no unfair or illegitimate advantage. In victory, he was gracious and modest, as if always profoundly aware of the good fortune that had been bestowed upon him, and he gave the impression of wanting to share his pride and pleasure in it with everyone. So you two are obviously aware, and uh, some of our listeners maybe are aware, because I mentioned it before, that I used to live in Brazil. Really, really hard times for that country at the moment. They've lost uh, Pelé. They've just, in the the last couple of hours or days, they've had uh, a sort of January 6th style insurrection on their institutions uh, by some right-wing rioters in the capital, Brasilia, and they also went out of the World Cup somewhat unexpectedly to Croatia in a fabulous game that I watched with you, George, quarterfinal, uh, where Neymar scored a fabulous goal and it looked like they were going to be through, but then um, Croatia, as they do, hold it back doggedly. And then the only way it could get worse uh, for Brazil was Argentina winning the whole thing. So uh, I've got a clip for you guys uh, that you might not have heard. I think we've all heard some nice uh, Argentinian commentary of the World Cup final and some other moments that have been doing the rounds because they're fairly famous now. But I've got a clip here of the Brazilian commentary of the very end of extra time in that extraordinary World Cup final when... um, uh, what's what's the fella's name? Kulumani, isn't it, George? The uh, the French uh, substitute. He was through on goal to win it 4-3 at the end of extra time. And then El Dibu, as they call him in Argentina, Emi Martinez, made that save with his leg. And I just want you to listen now to the Brazilian commentator. This is obviously collated by some Argentine enthusiasts. <laughs> but uh, the Brazilian commentator, who was about to herald the reprieve of France winning the World Cup and stopping Argentina from winning it. says the uh, Brazilian commentator there um, among the other noises that he makes. Uh, this game is crazy. Uh, crazy it was. Probably undeniable that that was the best World Cup final ever. I think only 1966, which I've written about extensively and watched recently, uh, comes close in terms of drama and emotion, but it certainly did have it all. I watched that in uh, Bar Kick in London, the great uh, football-themed bar, and I was watching with my half-Argentine friend, uh, Nick, and he was given a World Cup trophy by the bar staff at the end when they won the penalty shootout. So um, that was great fun. What about you guys? Just taking the final in isolation, what did you think, George? Probably just the the greatest sporting event I've ever watched on, on TV, I think. I don't think I've watched anything that's especially something that's not actually involved any team or or person that's in you know i support actively yeah. um and to be screaming at the tv as much as i was um 
and watching with a lot of people around my house uh, for, for various reasons not all football supporting people but everyone was glued to it and everyone was yeah. screaming and everyone was everyone needed to sit down afterwards and take a breath and take in what I'd watched and I had to watch the whole thing back about a week later just to remember everything because so much happened yeah um it was just wonderful it was just an amazing sporting yeah moment and and obviously I, I did have a vested interest I really wanted Messi to win the World Cup um so that was the the icing on the cake um regardless and also of... it was the culmination of four weeks or so of your young mm. son learning about all the uh, flags yes. of the nations in the world cup and learning yeah. about penalty shootouts so he must have been pleased when it went all the yeah. way yeah yeah he, he he doesn't realize how lucky he is that that's probably one of his <laughs> earliest my earliest football sort of memory like that was, was USA, the USA 94 which was great but it wasn't yeah. on the same level as this yeah he was allowed to stay up and watch it of course it was uh it was a wonderful moment really enjoyed it and you, Nick, uh, not quite as um, pleased about the messy angle of it, but I'm sure you still enjoyed the game. Yeah, I, I mean, as you say, I think in terms of like football finals, not just World Cup finals, I think you're going to be hard pressed to find something as dramatic. And for Argentina to have done it twice in that tournament, and you know, yeah. against the Dutch, the, you know, the narrative through that tournament is you know they will make films about this down the line it's incredible um yeah. what they managed to achieve and to do it against the backdrop of messi's final world cup i you know you, you know i'm not as into the individual narratives as you know but there's no denying there was something quite magic about the way that they they ran through this tournament because i think you know they let's not forget they lost to the saudis in their first match yes and indeed that's you know will be airbrushed from history but I would also like to just have on record that I bet on them before any ball was kicked, um, <laughs> but, which looked fairly stupid after they lost to Saudi Arabia. No, um, I think if, we, if we're going to talk about moment of the tournament, I think I, I might nominate uh, either Argentina, Saudi Arabia uh, or Argentina, Mexico, just for the um, atmosphere in that stadium that night. That was incredible. And the pressure that Argentina were under, but especially I would say um, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, uh, because of that, argument on ITV between Sunes and Keane of um, this is not about opinions, it's about facts, um, but I'm paid to be here to give my opinion and that that uh, to and fro was just glorious and the the, uh, the tournament really kicked off that day. But yeah, I think personally, the Argentina-Mexico game for me was just, I mean, obviously the final, um, but I mean, if, if we're going for less obvious moments, the Argentina-Mexico match with the pressure that uh, Argentina were under and just the stadium full of Mexicans, full of Argentinians. Uh, the noise was unbelievable. First week of the World Cup, that was the moment for me. Um, what about you guys? Would you say, now that he's coming to Man United, would you say the Volt Weghorst free kick, Nick? Yeah, I mean, I would have said that independently of where he ends up. Uh, <laughs> I do I do have a soft spot for a big lump of a striker, and yeah, I always yeah. have done. And he actually made his debut for Burnley against United, I think. And it was, was and it was so yeah. effective those twenty yeah. minutes, yeah. And um and and just for the drama at the end of that match, yeah. Um, yeah, that one for me was the one that and the Mbappe brace at the end of the final were just yes. unparalleled yeah. sporting drama. Yeah, and you, George. Aside from the final, was just the following Morocco. I thought they were yeah. just so so lovable. And so easy, easy to be everyone's second team. In Dancing that, with their mothers tournament. on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, 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 playing on the emotions. But just, just everything they did, they weren't one of these teams that did the dark arts to get to where they got to. They actually played lovely football. They were clearly yeah. a cohesive, well-run, organised team with fabulous fans. Like every single game was just was just wonderful. See them go that far. Would have been nice to see them win that third place, you know, yeah. playoff just for yeah. a bit of an extra... Um, icing on the cake but that's no sorry it's not actually a moment as such but just following them was was fantastic i thought just another nod to brazil i'd say uh the half hour of brazil against south korea when when they went through the gears was also great fun and richarlison's overhead kick just a bit of spurs bias just um, one more just i might have forgotten about this but that that I think someone called it the mathematical night. You know where they had those yeah, games. That was insane. Yeah, uh, Poland one... and Mexico. Do you mean Mexico. that one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And one more foul in a card could have changed everything. That was crazy. Yeah. That was a mental night. That's when you needed two screens. A fabulous advert for on. four team groups, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which, yes. I, which I really uh, hope they retain. 
it sounds like they were really rethinking really it off the back of that one yeah. game. I mean, firstly, that says terrible things about FIFA's ability to plan things, but 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 also uh, that, that even Infantino is not too stupid to see that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, then let's move on to England. Then, obviously, we're all going to say they reached par and um, did what we might have expected of them, but not more. But um, taking the uh, five games that they played as a series, as a whole. The last one, George, we watched together. You know, it's definitely not a meek exit, was it? But um, England at the World Cup as a whole, what what was your view, George? Probably like work in progress. I think there's there's enough of a nucleus of a team there to take into the next Euros positively. Yeah. At the same time, the first time we really tested, we lost. So mm-hmm. probably give them like a B minus <laughs> if we're going to score them for their World Cup performance. You know, the Senegal performance i think you were saying at the time basically a team of championship players so it's not wasn't necessarily yeah. anything to marvel at despite the, the scoreline the way we went about it i think positives jude bellingham i think he's just really if there was any doubt before the tournament he's a real superstar in the making and could be an uncaptain given the way he conducts himself and the way he speaks after games he, he's mm-hmm. very comes across as a leader i just worry about longer term without harry kane i just don't know where our goals are going to come from in the future. So, yeah, it's a bit of a weird, yeah, last half, half full, half empty, I'm not sure. And but, very disappointing um, way to go out because I did think we were capable of being better than France um, yeah. on, on the day. And then we would have had Morocco next. Mm. Well, I think we were better than France. I think eight times out of ten, England win that match. And I felt going into an extra time, I felt England were going to win it. But um, it's fine margins, isn't it, in knockout yeah. football? And that's what happens. You know, two good teams come against each other. I'm much more optimistic than George, mainly because we've hung on to Southgate. And I know that's a, a debate in itself, but I was absolutely convinced, as I said on the pod. that Yeah, I was going to say you're a big pro Southgate fella. I am. And that's just because I remember everything before that in my life. And from Terry Venables to Gareth Southgate, it's been pretty grim. And we've had much better managers doing the job. Probably with much better players, although I think Bellingham, Rice, you know, Foden, Grealish, I think may well go on to become the next golden generation. Um, but, but yeah, I, I feel pretty optimistic, to be honest. I think we outplayed the second best team in the world by you know the fact that they reached the final. Um, we were unlucky and probably the difference is that France put away a couple of chances that they created and we didn't mm. put away any of our chances that we yeah. We're able to create. Yeah, on South, I don't think you could lay the blame at his door for that exit either, because I think he he probably did everything we could. You know, Rashford is the one. Throwing Rashford on a bit Mm. earlier would have been the one thing. And again, I'm coming at that with rose tinted glasses. And if you see what he's done since, he's on on Mbappe's level right now for his. I I did get irritated a bit every time I saw Jordan Henderson playing wide right in a World Cup quarterfinal. But anyway, on another day, we'd have beaten France yeah. and another day we might not have drawn France and I think we're yeah it's about par as you say and mm. England would have made much harder work of Senegal five years ago yes. before Southgate that's yeah. true and, you know and Wales potentially <laughs> yeah and I remember I watched the USA game with you Alex and mm. um, I think we were both saying this is not a disaster one point no. in the group games against yeah the, the media time. reaction was ridiculous to that. Yeah. yeah it was it I mean, was measured measured genuine, tournament football Genuine calls for Southgate to go mid get mid mid tournament, yeah. which is, I mean, absurd. <laughs> so I, I I feel pretty optimistic as an England fan, and I don't normally, to be honest. I feel I'm so glad we've kept Southgate. It's only eighteen months. I don't want I don't worry about post Kane yet. That's he's a, he's twenty nine and has at least two more tournaments in him, and is genuinely world class. I think the players around him are going to be eighteen months better probably have a few more trophies between them at club level. I have lots of reasons to be optimistic going into the Euros in Germany. Right. Let's leave it there. Okay, so welcome to a very quick final part about the week coming up. Uh, We've had so much to discuss um, today, but we've got EFL Cup quarterfinals later than they would usually be because of the strange season calendar due to the World Cup. So this midweek, we've got uh, Newcastle at home to Leicester, already mentioned. Forest play Wolves. Southampton play Manchester City on Wednesday on TV. 
And on Tuesday, the only uh, non-Premier League team from League One, Charlton Athletic, go to Old Trafford. And uh, Nick, you can't quite believe that it's not on telly. Yeah, it's a bit rich. United fans are playing their cup games not on telly. But I think that's a genuinely really interesting match. I think, you know, Ten Hag went full strength on Friday. I think you'll see a rotated United. It'll be a good game. Um, yeah, it's the interest I, of the only team uh, from outside the Premier League being in it as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. shame for me, but uh, yeah, I will be listening on the radio. Okay, and then we've mentioned Friday Night Football. Aston Villa leads. It's not an easy assignment for Jesse Marsh's men. And uh, also... Uh, Villa are coming off that embarrassment at home to Stevenage, um, but it could be could be a really good um, mm-hmm. Friday night fair though. Two noisy sets of fans, right, George? Yeah, hope springs eternal. Yeah, we usually have quite feisty games with Villa, so it could be a good watch. Yeah. In any case, I hope it doesn't ruin your weekend. Uh, and then uh, Saturday lunchtime uh, on BT Sport, they've got the big uh, the the second biggest derby of the weekend. They've got Manchester United at home to Man City. Can't quite believe, really, that it's come round again so quickly, Nick. What was the last one? It was 6-3, wasn't it? It's when you scored scored those few goals, including Anthony's first in a red shirt um, to sort of make the score look a little less um, damaging. But it was a chastening day. uh, It's not been competitive for the last couple of years, actually. It's not been competitive, so I think... But I was going to be more positive and say, what a season you've had since that day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think that's fair. I am just genuinely really interested. I sort of alluded to this earlier that we've beaten some teams since the World Cup that I would expect United to beat. And two of them in particular went down with a bit of a whimper. Yeah. I don't know where this United team is. I don't think many people do. I don't know whether we should be looking up and thinking about reading in Arsenal or if we should be looking down and worrying about Spurs and Liverpool. I will know by the end of the next week because we've yeah. got Arsenal and City um, with Palace in between. So um, I think five points, I'd be happy. Uh, what sort of expectations does the Manchester United support have these days going into a home derby against Pep City? Good question. I, I would say the hope is that it's competitive. Having seen you know fives and sixes put past us over the last yeah. couple of seasons, Um a, an element of organisation at the back, um, and a plan would would be, you know, bare minimum. A plan would be nice. <laughs> yeah, a plan would be nice. And um, I, I think there's one thing for sure is that the last eight weeks, Ten Hag has enormous credit in the bank now with fans. I think the way he's handled Ronaldo, um, yeah. the way he has managed to, you know, appear as though he has a plan, um, the way he's managed to bring Rashford up to this level. Um, lots of reasons for optimism, which may well be punctured on Saturday breakfast. But um, I, uh, I'm get, I, I'm just looking forward to knowing where United are at because I don't know the honest answer. Brighton uh, welcome Liverpool. With those two teams' uh, respective recent form, you know, could well make Brighton favourites for that. Yeah, that's especially you know Van Dijk out for quite a long time now. Mm. Um, strikers not hitting the barn door. I think. Um, yeah, do you know what? Let's call it fancy an out an outside bet on. Brighton there. Scoring for fun, Brighton. Scoring a yeah. lot of goals. And they yeah. love playing the big teams. Yeah. Their World Cup winner backfiring as well. So uh... yeah. <laughs> Alexis, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Everton are at home to Southampton. Frank Lampard's last chance question mark discuss. That is a grim game, isn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> if, he, if he if he doesn't win that, he's he's gone, surely. Surely. Let's leave it there. Uh Forest Leicester. I don't really have anything to say. Both are in trouble. Yeah, both are in trouble. Brendan Rodgers has lost three in a row and I'm sure he didn't sign up for relegation scrap after relegation scrap. The Forest yeah. win there really does drag Leicester into it, I think, yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, Wolves-West Ham is just a bit of a stinker, I think, in terms of that yeah. week. Quite boring. Brentford-Bournemouth. Well, it's tea time, so Brentford will turn up, won't they? Uh, and... Um, on Sunday, you've got Chelsea uh, misfiring Chelsea at home to Palace, who've also had a thrashing against us and against Fulham. So don't really know anything could happen in that one. And Newcastle at home to Fulham in the first game on Super Sunday. And then the North London derby. Well, what do I say about this game other than, are we scared? I don't know. I'm hoping they're scared. I really don't know. 
there's no point talking about uh, gaps and places in the table. It's all just about stopping a juggernaut that is making everybody in our neck of the woods very nervous. Uh, we want Manchester City to start reeling them in, or even Newcastle if it must be. But um, what can't happen is that they win on our patch and extend their lead. That just simply can't happen. So when Conte has had this fixture once before in May, uh, everything went right for us insofar as everything went wrong for Arsenal. Man sent off, own goal, all this stuff. And it was a glorious night and we finished in the Champions League place. Obviously, nobody's really got that expectation this time. The expectation is that we'll see another terrible first half and we hope not to be two or three down at half time. We hope to have someone like Kulisevsky back in the side. Uh, he's been missing the last couple of games. We just need someone with a spark to do something because without, we know what it's going to be like. It's going to be dour and Arsenal are too good at the moment and they'll pick us off. So let's hope it's a form goes out of the window. Anything can happen on Derby Day sort of day. Uh, and let's hope that Conte really gets it and transmits the fans' ire and passion to the players. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose we'll talk again after it. Uh, we'll have all had very, very big games uh, to discuss, and uh, we look forward to getting back into the swing of things on a on a weekly basis. Thank you very much for your patience, listeners, uh, today as we've crammed it all in after an eight-week break. Thank you, uh, Nick and George, for your attendance and your contributions as usual. Thank you, George. Thank you. Good luck at Villa. And thank, uh, you. thank you, Nick. Thank you very much. Good luck in the derby. And, uh, yeah, I hope we all have a decent weekend. It's a big one. And I'm going to play the pod out today with some Argentine commentary on the winning penalty of the World Cup final, just because. Una enormidad. Simon Tiel convierte. La Argentina es campeón del mundo. Le va a pegar Montiel. Toma larga carrera Montiel. Va a ubicarse Leonis en el arco. Allá va Montiel.